Hello and welcome to Project U. I'm your host, Leighton Collins. Uh, so we are coming towards the end of our series of self-reflection. Um, this is our last session on that, actually. So last time we looked at rights and responsibilities in the workplace. We're going to build upon that and go a little bit deeper, a little bit further. We're going to look into how we can challenge prejudice. Um, there's, as always, a shorter two-minute version uh, for those people who are too busy and just want a quick cup of tea and a quick two minutes to kind of think and prompt themselves. But we're going to go a little bit deeper and further. So let's get into it. Okay, this is actually take two. So I recorded a whole run through of this week's um, episode. Uh, and there was loads of background noise because uh, working from home um, with kids coming home ill from school and stuff though you could hear everything he was saying and pots and things being clanked around in the background so we don't have the guest star of a child this uh, time through i've uh, ditched that and i'll re-record so here we go um last week i was talking about protected characteristics and i don't want to just kind of recover all of that stuff but i will reiterate them uh, as we build on top of that so it's against the law to discriminate against these factors age, gender reassignment, sex, sexual orientation, being married or in a civil partnership, being pregnant or off on maternity leave, disability, race, including color, nationality, ethnic or national origin, and religion or belief. So I want us to think about a couple of things this time, because we dived into kind of, you know, why and what that's about in a bit more detail. I want to think mainly about what is the impact of discrimination, uh, and then actually hopefully a bit more positively what can be done about it and certainly like proactively and positively what can be done about it so what is the impact well we can start with the kind of headlines there's the legal position we said it's against the law to discriminate so the challenge that will be brought a to the company uh, that would be faced but also b if you are part of bringing that challenge or you're the victim of this discrimination Although you're in the right, so to speak, it's not going to be comfortable. It's not going to be a, a pleasant process taking your employer to tribunal or pushing forward with something where you've been discriminated against. And one can imagine that people tend to just move on. And, you know, I've been discriminated against because of my gender reassignment or my religion. And so I've looked for a new job and then I've moved on and I've left as soon as I can. But I've left behind this company where there are things that aren't great beyond that we think about the stuff that feels a bit more important the impact on the individual that negative impact on the health of the employee uh, that negative impact on the the mental health and the well-being of the employee and the negative impact on that employee's sense of purpose and their productivity as well um, when we're happy in work we are more productive we're doing stuff and we're really getting stuck in when we're less happy or less engaged or we feel things are up against us that can drift away and there's research that shows graphs where there is a correlation between those things it might be that it's not the person who is the kind of victim of the discrimination but wider than that there are people who've seen things observed things or just picked up on the environment and the vibe of the place and therefore their health and their well-being in a secondary measure is also being negatively impacted if you're a company where there is over comments that are sexist racist whatever it's not a very nice place to be whether you're the victim of that or whether you just go not very 
comfortable around that. So there we go. The wider impacts as well, just the stifling of people. Like I've said, people will be keen to move on and get out of there as soon as they can. So they're less likely to take the opportunity. They're less likely to throw their energy into that company and develop it and actually challenge some of that prejudice. They are going to be less happy and they'll have less of a sense of, um, I want to stick around ultimately and help build this company. They want to go somewhere else to a competitor. There is also that kind of, perception from the wider staff that I've touched upon. So those who are not directly discriminated against, but they're aware of kind of institutional standards and norms and practices. Um, even stuff that can feel at first glance a little bit less uh, yucky, um, for want of a better word. You know, do they? is there that perception that the leadership team always show favoritism and they have this kind of perceived inner circle who can do no wrong and will get all the best opportunities? Is there just that sense that all of the leadership team look the same? And by that, I could mean the character and skill set. So we've got a very, I don't know, um, big picture leadership who don't want to have any interest in detail or don't want to have any interest in anything operational, uh, quite blunt communicators. And the whole of leadership is like that. So where is the diversity in that leadership of skill set and character and personality? But also, are they all white, middle class, middle aged men? Um, and is there that sense that if you're not in that cohort of that demographic, you're only going to go so far up the ladder and then you're going to bump your head on this kind of unspoken thing? So the as I looked into some stuff, I found some stats that I found quite interesting. There's a couple of things. The, the second one that I'll come on to was pretty stark, to say the least. Um, so I found a survey, it was an, an American survey, and they had done some research in the workplace with white, black and Hispanic staff. And so I'm just going to pick a few questions out in the responses. So my organisation is fair to everyone. And of the white respondents, 27% said yes. Of the black, 12% of the Hispanic, 18%. So you already see a bit of a divide there. If I pick another one, um, if I raised a concern about how I am treated, I'm confident my employer would do what is right. Of the white people, 27% yes. Um, there must have been some not sure's because the numbers only add up to about 60% in the yes, no. But 27% yes from the white respondent, 19% from the black and 27% uh, from the Hispanic respondents. Um, what about this? My workplace gives all employees equal opportunity to advance to senior management. Again, of the white respondents, 29% yes. Black respondents, 14% yes, so less than half. And Hispanic, 19% yes. Like I say, it's not that there's 19% yes and that there is 81% no. Um, there must be a lot of room in the, in the middle in the responses. But the difference between those demographics is what you can really extrapolate out from the data and pull out of that that in most of the situations the white respondent is about double what the black or the hispanic respondent is so there's just really interesting comments to pick out that data and you could say well that's america and we're a bit different but you have to hold up that mirror and ask the question well are we if we move away from that um, initial stance of just discrimination is wrong it's the wrong thing to do you know, that is a fair comment, isn't it? Don't be racist. Don't be sexist. Just don't be a nasty piece of work. We can't justify it. But if we look further than that as well, 
<clears throat> at the wider impacts. Um, so again, it was an American report I found, but this was looking into the level of workers globally who feel not engaged or a, a bracket further than that actively disengaged. And it was a lot. It was surprising. 85% of our employees they uh, drew out from this, this report were in those two brackets, either not engaged or actively disengaged. So only 15% would be falling into descriptions like fully engaged or actively engaged and so on. Now, the economic consequence of this financially is a cost in lost productivity globally of $7 trillion, which is a big number, just down to things like feeling not settled in the workplace, feeling discriminated against or being actively discriminated against and actively pushed to the boundaries. Maybe having colleagues who uh, look to move elsewhere because I don't want to work with people like them or people who are being victimized because of their protected characteristics, actively looking to move away because I'm surrounded by bigots who don't want to work with me just because of who I am. So there are real concerns like economically which is a much bigger picture than the individual and we would rightly say the individual should have the right to be happy in their workplace to be, not be discriminated against and to be celebrated give you a bit of perspective for that seven trillion which is just a number so big that you can't get your head around it i might as well have just said a lot for perspective the entire gdp of the uk so the gross domestic product and we're the sixth largest global economy is 2.65 trillion a bit more perspective the lost productivity we're talking about is roughly the same as the gdp of the fifth sixth and seventh largest economies india uk and france added together might as well not bother going to work because that's what we've lost so if you could tackle this issue you would boost the global economy like adding an extra india uk and france to the world basically and the output that we produce that's crazy so even if you find yourself in a workplace where you are lovely and accepting and celebrating and liberal and all of that stuff and the policy of your workplace is matches that and all of your colleagues and all of your managers that's the approach you take and you know you're an admirable company full of admirable people and the kind of people we should be uh, taking a steer from and, and rolling out to wider um, industry even if you're that then you're still doing your business in a landscape where we're losing $7 trillion globally. So discrimination uh, will lead to that kind of active disengagement and it's costing a lot of money, $7 trillion. In workplaces where that, preju that prejudice is institutional, it might be hidden away. It might be less overt. We can see when that chap in accounts is walking around saying sexist jokes and sexist language and stuff. And we can challenge that quite quickly because it's one individual who's needs correcting. But if it's something that's a little bit more kind of hidden and it's just the vibe of the workplace, that's harder to challenge, isn't it? So we can end up losing talent, those people who are uncomfortable and move on. We might have a person who would thrive in leadership and would drive forward that business, that company in that sector, but they're overlooked for an aspect of their self because of their religion or their race or their gender or whatever, rather than their talent. So there's a question of loss here, isn't there? There's that sense of and it feels like we're moving away from the human story. And that has to be the, the, the headline, that human story, the impact on the individual. But there's a loss to 
the workplace in productivity, in money, but also in opportunity. And I guess we can come on to um, that sense of fairness. And do we judge fairness with a word like equality or with a word like equity? And they're different factors, aren't they? So that sense of equality of we have a, a blanket policy for all and it's based on something fair and it's all lovely and right on and it's one size fits all. But actually one size fitting all might not be what we need. We might need equity where um, one size doesn't fit all and there's an element of advantage for a certain cohort or a certain group of people or whatever. Now I sit here as a white man of a certain age in my 40s um, and you could say that I have a lot of advantage behind me and arguably I do. But I'm also a man from a working class background. I'm also a northern man. I'm also a man who went to a state comprehensive school uh, and admittedly I did go to university. But the equity that I might need or might have needed growing up would be to support my growth around the cultural norms that are slightly alien to me being from a working class background as I move into different work sectors and workplaces where that working class kid sticks out like a sore thumb because everyone is kind of rocking this kind of you know middle class vibe or, or upper class uh, approaches and etiquette and so on and I feel in myself like I don't belong here and actually I might be um, deemed by others to like why is he doing that why isn't he doing that bit why has he said that why has he sat down now why has he stood up now and so on now my university education and the melting pot that that offers that did that helped I suppose that brings a degree of um, getting out there and meeting people who aren't just like me um, but still if I think back to some of the stories I was studying my degree I'm at university I'm on my placement year with a, a big global international uh, multinational company and there was a, a black tie corporate I think it was like a Christmas ball or something like that um, really alien to me um, and I was sat there you know it was like a black tie what on earth does that mean I have to go and I had to go and hire a tuxedo I've no idea what a cummerbund is I don't know how to tie a bow tie um, I'm sat down eating a five course meal with more knives and forks than I've ever seen in my life um, you're chatting and networking over the canapes um, and like I said the other week you know flying off to a a, a training conference in another country flying first at, at business class on an airplane none of that was normal to me I think at that point I'm not even sure I'd been outside the UK we used to go on holidays to the British seaside to Skegness and suddenly I'm sat sipping champagne on this flight going to a luxury five-star hotel it was quite alien and that's me with the advantage that I have so that disadvantage and that equality might not be there for someone who perhaps had grown up in a more middle upper class household uh, and all the kind of cultural capital that comes with that or maybe someone who'd gone to private school or boarding school and the networking connection and again the cultural capital that comes with that maybe they went to a different kind of university and they were doing their placement because they were at Oxbridge somewhere and so again the things they're accustomed to it does work both ways actually and if there was some sort of corporate thing where we went to the dog track or we went to uh, like places where I went on holiday as a kid to go to the working men's club and stuff then someone like Boris Johnson might feel quite uncomfortable in that place and be like well, what do I do how do I put a 
a bet on horse on dog number two and so on but i would be like oh yeah this is i know what we're doing let me help you so cultural capital interestingly works in different ways but we often only see it in in that kind of upward way but that notion there the point i'm making is equality isn't fair it doesn't work it doesn't work for all so that's just a glimpse of some disadvantage i've um experience but that disadvantage will obviously go so much further than i faced for someone who might be a female member of staff uh bame member of staff trans staff and older staff transitioning from one work sector to another and feeling like although i'm 55 i'm a junior member of staff again and so on so that kind of brings us to what can be done um and i would say proactively and positively yeah that would be my first approach there is a need to be reactive and to challenge that racist guy that we highlighted in accounts earlier who's saying stuff that we don't like and to just say no not on not having it you're going to be reprimanded but proactively listen to employees and so we should have a leadership who are listening to that kind of staff voice now if you're not in leadership and you are an employee yourself speak up be a champion uh take your ideas to leadership maybe they don't know what to do or how to move things forward but they have the will and actually your energy or maybe your first-hand experience of being trans or whatever um will help push that forward build infrastructure so we tighten up where there's that negative factor so that racist guy again who's our scapegoat in this storytelling isn't really allowed to continue in the workplace that personal level is tightened up and pushed out those institutional level things are tightened up and pushed out i think last week i mentioned that that uh, cliche of the you know the mechanics garage full of the page three topless women on the walls and stuff i don't think workplaces are like that anymore i think we've moved on and i think even these kind of you know quite big brash working class blokes who you know might have liked that 20 years ago they recognize it's not on anymore and we're not going to have that we're not going to stick all this stuff up so you know you can challenge institutional practice and, and build that infrastructure of what's normal and you might need to build that infrastructure overtly and say this isn't on that more covert where you just kind of deal with the undercurrents and and set new on more positive undercurrents of what's happening as well as that perceived so there might actually not be an issue but if the sense amongst your entire workforce is that there is then it's still something you need to address there is not actually a problem but everyone thinks there is so there's still a piece of work to do you could build a diverse workforce so if you find yourself in recruitment have that awareness do you always hire people with skills and and uh, character like yourself do you always hire people who look like you you know if if genuinely every time i recruited i hired another white man i'd need to look in the mirror and be like was that really the best candidate or is there something going on that i might not even recognize kind of in my subconscious can we improve training and onboarding so that it's not just quick get into my company and start working but it's really clear that there's a positive environment that if we're dealing with that negativity we won't tolerate discrimination but also more proactively this is the positive environment where everyone can thrive and here's the policy and training that goes with it so that's the next one isn't it make sure policy and procedures are inclusive now if you're not writing that stuff you might be like all right like and what I, I can't do anything 
But if you've done a little training course and you notice um, some dated language, let's say a certain term that used to be acceptable to describe one of, you know, something around one of those protected characteristics and it's now dated and is no longer acceptable, you should be highlighting that to HR. Um, we don't use that word anymore, actually, and we need to update the policy. And that language is really powerful. Check the language that we use, even assumptions of um, the kind of language that we use. Even if you think about stuff like that age, you know, talking about um, the age of someone or how recently they graduated or, you know, just things like that. Just be careful in the language that we use and that it should be uh, it should build people up, not drag people down. What else can be done proactively? Educate our workforce and our leadership on inclusive behavior. Now, sometimes this might need to be done intentionally. So there's no one in that workforce who can do it, who can take a lead on it. It can't even be delegated to someone who wants to be a champion, but we recognize it's an issue. So we're gonna reach out and bring in the external expert to talk to us about um, disability in the workplace or, or you know something like that you bring in an expert for a bit of like whole, whole staff training and there you go it's not just to tick a box it's to actually do something if we were just ticking a box we'd just find out some stuff ourselves and email a, a thing round or or fluff our way through uh, something that we'd read ourselves but if you're actually going to invest in bringing someone in then that training will be richer and I guess finally lead by example whether you're top of the shop or the most junior member of staff be positive be proactive celebrate others certainly be um, inclusive and that kind of thing lead by example if i think about some practical examples of that positive approach that i've seen and been part of in my time working in school and other organizations ramadan muslim colleagues fasting for a, a good period of time is physically and mentally challenging for them and an important aspect of their faith and so we would do solidarity fasts where we would say right on this we're going to pick a day and people who aren't muslim are going to fast with you through the day it wasn't compulsory but the option to fast with you through the day and then one of the ladies who was a fabulous cook would cook up a load of food to break fast as she would do with her you know wider family uh, ordinarily every other day and then invite the other staff to to join her and be like you know be part of my journey for the day that would build so much understanding and empathy wouldn't it i think if you're doing that it's going to be really hard to keep those hidden racist thoughts in your head because you're really walking in the shoes of your colleague and you've got so much more understanding about their faith and you might have a chat about if you're of a different faith or if you have no faith, you're an atheist or whatever, you might have a deeper chat in that moment because it's two people sharing life. Um, another example would be things like well-being coffee events. So just making that time and space where people can talk and it might be themed around something. You might be fundraising for, um, you know, cancer research or something like that. But it just gives that opportunity to talk. You're not just another worker and a colleague, but actually I'm getting into chatting to you about you the person there are many opportunities to kind of hang off your uh, to, to hang your goodwill and your intent and your kind of strategy if you like off of so we've got things like pride month in june and that rightly should be an opportunity to have discussions about all things related to pride and, and wider than that actually black history month in october i remember in school we our displays on our corridors would really highlight um, individuals from history so you go down the maths corridor 
And here's a, a black uh, mathematician from history who did something really significant. And that's probably quite a powerful thing, particularly for that young black kid in year eight who has only seen you know, other characters through history that might not represent somebody like me who I could follow in their footsteps. And so there are things like that. International Women's Day in March, Disability Pride Month is in July. So, you know, there are events that you can put your shoulder to and, and make a, a go of, and it can be as, as big a deal as you like. Fundraisers are very positive. Everyone likes raising money for good causes. Everyone likes eating cake that you donate your pound for or whatever. Um, and everyone can be involved. But interestingly, the charity that you choose um, to, to donate to can highlight an issue, a, a part of the world or a demographic perhaps. And then there can be further conversations that can be done around that. So there's there's different kind of positive ways that you can actually challenge that pre prejudice and do away with it. Let's think about some top tips as we begin to wrap up. Top tip number one is that very thing, aim to be positive, proactive. So prejudice, as we begin thinking about it, we think and immediately to the negative. We think to that racist or that sexist who just shoots their mouth off in the company in the coffee break in the wherever um, and we're not happy but it should be so much more positive than that it should be about celebration and certainly celebration ahead of tolerance that's not a particularly pleasant word and certainly celebration way ahead of discrimination top tip number two what can you do practically what can you actually do where can you be a champion uh, where can you shout up? And it may be that it, this is one of your protected characteristics. It may be that you're more of that sort of ally of actually, I am. I have all this perceived advantage of being a white, a, a white straight, middle-aged man of a certain background, and all this and stuff. And it's almost like tick, tick, tick. No one's going to pick on me. But actually, I'm going to stand up for this fairness through equity and I'm going to stand up to celebrate and champion all people and I'm not going to have it this discrimination actually I'm just not having it so you know that sense of if I'm reading some training and I see some dated language in it then I should also be highlighting that to HR I shouldn't be leaving it to the colleague who might be offended by that dated term I should be picking it up leadership might be open to things but not know where to start or how to start I should be helping and it might be something that I don't have any great expertise or I don't have any first hand impact. And it might be richer if someone else is involved. But if I put my shoulder to it, maybe that someone else then has the confidence to get involved alongside me. Who knows? But what can you do? And then finally, um, this feels quite a challenging one, actually, to finish on. So maybe I shouldn't have put it as top tip number three. But here we go. Reflect on yourself. I think we all probably consider ourselves to be okay, not part of the problem. Uh, pleasant, liberal, I'm not a racist, I'm not this, I'm not that. But actually, if you ask yourself, do I have that conscious or unconscious bias? Do I have those private thoughts about something that isn't acceptable anymore? I know that, so I keep it quiet. Do I need to further educate myself? Do I need to challenge myself? Do I need to actually reach out to... I know, maybe I don't have any I don't know anyone who is trans and so I'm going to have a chat with that person in my workplace who is and just begin to build that kind of connection and commonality so I develop understanding and I guess another aspect of that is 
I kind of hinted at it with the working men's club and the, you know, the, the five course dinner. Are we guilty of reverse discrimination? I'm quite careful in how I choose to say that. And if I offend you, then I'm very sorry. Um, but if you think back to my position, that working class, northern state educated kid, there is a risk, isn't there, that someone like me thinks ill immediately of someone who's privately educated from an upper class background, who's had uh, advantage uh, financially in their upbringing and so on, and that actually I might subconsciously discriminate against them. For why? For nothing. And yet I feel like I am all accepting and liberal and, and lovely when actually I risk being part of the problem, don't I? So just be aware of that. Reflect on yourself. What can you do and what can you do that's proactive? There you go. So thanks very much, as always, for listening. That ends our uh, little run of self-reflective topics that are much more kind of personal and related to just you. And we're going to move on to some slightly bigger kind of a little bit more sociology <laughs> starting next time. Uh, so we're going to look at society. We're going to look at things like the mass media, social media, growing media, all through that lens of careers and workplace and, and you know, that aspect of ourselves as well. Maybe we'll dive into a bit of economics and politics as well and, and just poke and ask some questions. But yeah, thanks as always for listening. Do be sure to... Um, fool that algorithm and click that you like it and click share or click whatever you need to click to convince it to send us out further uh, and do keep you know sharing with friends and thanks as always for being here okay so until next time i'll see you later mm -hmm.